0: This morning I'll Book of Colossians.
1: Amen. You Give me three more instruments. <laughs> Good, morning. Good morning. Are you all glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Let's do that with a real big yes then. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. There you go. I am now convinced that you are all glad to be in the house of the Lord and not snoozing away and sleeping in your beds. (laughs) I am extremely glad to be here. I especially am honored to be back at uh, Grace Community to catch up with Pastor R. Uh, I found out what R stands for, by the way. (laughs) I did some investigation. I won't won't proclaim it in open, okay? (laughs) I'm sure you all know about it. But I, uh, I'm so glad to get caught up with him, his family, and to actually have been in the home of Steve and Linda and to be able to get to know them. And I'm so excited to be here this morning and to spend this time with you. Are you excited about that? Yeah, yeah I don't know what you're excited about, but I'm, I'm exciting, okay? And, uh, but I'm so glad that we could get to know each other because I think there's so many of you that are here who don't know me, and I want you to get to know me because I want to be a missionary. I want to be your legs, your hands, your feet, your voice in my country. And I would like to invite some of you to come with your pastor back to India. He has been to India several times, and I'd like for him to come back. And I told him that my wife will forgive him. So he can come back to India, and y'all can bring a team back over here. Brenda, did you hear that? Okay. All right. But I just want you all to know that God is doing something incredible around the world. And we are very fortunate people that are living in a time in the history of mission and the church when God is bringing in so many people that love him so much and are beginning to know about him and to worship him. And the more people are responding and the more people are beginning to Uh, become disciples for Jesus Christ. You know what's happening in our world? The glory of God is beginning to cover this earth, and it's amazing. It's amazing that we're living in a time when God's glory is beginning to become so accessible. You know, when um, the Habakkuk received the vision from God, and he had received the message of God, and he was fighting with God, and God said to him, Habakkuk, I'm going to do about something in your time, but I want you to know it's going to happen at some time in the history of the world, but I want you to know that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters would cover the sea. Can you imagine that for a moment, that the whole earth is filled with God's glory, and people cannot get away from it because it's everywhere. And it's just not everywhere. It's about that knowledge that is permeating everywhere that people will have no other option but to actually respond to it. Let me tell you why it's happening. Up until 1974, all around the world, people were engaged in doing the mission of the church. Do you know all they did? was preach and preach and preach and preach and ask people to fill out forms and raise their hands and walk down the aisles and never once took time to make disciples. And guys, when you hear your pastor talking about the significance, the importance, and the need for us to not only be disciples of Jesus Christ, but be discipled and disciple makers it's a significant importance because if the American church is going to see what God is doing around the world, then we've got to move from what we used to call proclamation to disciple making in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So well, let's give the Lord a big hand because you guys are going to get involved. <laughs> Starting point every 10 weeks must be full up before they start it, okay? because we're going to become disciple makers for Jesus Christ. And if we can become disciple makers, we will absolutely begin to let the glory of God really shine through our life like we've never seen it before. And I want to say that because you know what? When I went back to India in 1983, God said to me, Bobby, I want you to plant a thousand churches. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I can plant a thousand churches, and so I got into the process of actually engaged in the process of planting churches, till when I met my friends, and my friends said to me, Bobby, what are you doing over here? You're an American, and you were in America. Why did you come back to India? All of us want to go to America, and you want to come and live in India. There's something wrong with you, Bobby, and I said, maybe because God wanted me to be here. Is that okay? And they would say, you're spiritualizing everything, Bobby. But then they looked at me and they'd ask me, what are you going to do? And I would say to them, I'm going to plant a thousand churches in my country. And we're going to see a thousand churches come and lots of people come to Jesus Christ. And as soon as I said that, you know what they would do? They would hilariously laugh. They would say, it's impossible, Bobby. We've been here for a hundred years and we haven't planted a hundred churches and you're going to do it in 10 years? You're a wacko man. Something is wrong with you. But you know I didn't know what God was trying to do and I slowly began to understand that what God was beginning to do was he was shifting the way the church was doing mission and he was causing the church to begin to ask the question how can my glory be everywhere? How can it become everywhere? And you know in that first phase, it was a thousand churches. And then slowly God began to ask me, what are you going to do with the thousand churches in this country? Because, you know, in 10 years, God didn't plant a thousand. He planted 1157. About that time, he got my attention, didn't he? He is able to do anything. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. Yeah, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. And I began to realize God can do anything. But, you know, he was asking me to do the impossible. You know what he was saying to me? I want a million churches by the year 2000. I said, God, you must be crazy. Don't ask me to do that. Because they already think I'm a madman and they want to put me in a mental hospital. (laughs) You know what God said to me? Bobby, you ain't going to plant a single church because I will do what? Build my church. church." He said, it's my business. You let me do it and watch me do it. In 1987, India had 114,000 churches. Guess how many churches we have now. Over 700,000 churches in my country. Isn't that good? We ought to give the Lord a hand, don't you? (laughs) Church, I believe what God wants us to do is to make the knowledge of the glory of God to cover the earth as the waters would cover the sea. And if you're going to get this happen, we've got to have discipleship groups everywhere, anywhere, all over the place meeting together, worshiping God, and the people around them are looking and saying, man, something's happening in that dude's house every Tuesday. Oh, in that guy's house, it's every Wednesday. or oh, in that guy's house, it's every Thursday. And all of a sudden, instead of worshiping just on Sunday morning, the church is worshiping how many days in the week? Amen. You guys are smart guys. Because you know what the Bible says? And they gathered daily. And they broke bread, and they worshiped God, and they did everything. And all of a sudden, you know what grace is going to be doing? It's going to be gathering daily in homes everywhere, in multiple homes all throughout the city, and the city is going to come to know the, the the word is the knowledge of the glory of God, and they'll never be able to get away from it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The question that we have to ask is, are we ready to be part of it? Because when God asked me to do that, I thought, man, this is too big. This is too impossible. It is not possible at all for me to be engaged in this process. Till I started to do it, and all of a sudden, God began to show me how this nation that was so far away from God has got the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God in every village of my country today. Isn't that amazing? There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And church, it is important for us to begin to ask ourselves the question, are we going to be part of what God wants to do? Are we still about ourselves? Are we going to get to a place where we say, God, it's no longer I that liveth. It is Christ that liveth in me. The life that I want to live is not about myself, but about your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And what God wants to do in each of us is that aspect. And I want you to be praying for the ministries of HBI because we really, really have been growing. We've seen a lot of stuff happening. The only part of the church that is under our supervision is really about 8,600 churches. There's over 500,000 people worshiping in those churches. But God has allowed us to mobilize, envision, equip, and train people from every denomination in our church, in our nation. And consequently, we've been able to multiply God's church and see people gather everywhere in our country. But over the years, we've been an institution that gathered in Chennai, but now we have eight training centers, and these training centers are everywhere so that we can have access, people can have access to come to our training programs and to be able to multiply Babi Gupta so he's everywhere, even though he's not there. Isn't that Cool. But that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to equip. He wants us to empower. He wants to train them so that many people can be engaged in this process. And as they do it in the context of their culture, they're more indigenous to their communities. And then Christ is being transformed in the midst of their people because God is working in the lives of the people and the newness of Jesus Christ is coming alive in our people. And it's exciting to be in that context. And so I want you to be praying. We're in the middle of starting a university. Some of you gave some of your books so that we could actually develop our library. And I want to thank you guys for doing that to us. You're part of a partnership with us. And actually your church is engaged in helping us enable 10 missionaries there in seven states of India. And we are actually going to introduce an aspect to that process. And I'm talking to your pastor where... Because you are partners, we need to bring something to the table, right? And so what we're going to do is to add 10 more missionaries to you guys. Would that be cool? Then we'll be doing something even more significant. But I told Pastor R that he has to come to India if he's going to do that. No. Because you know what we want to do is we want you guys to be engaged in pouring your lives into the lives of these missionaries so that we are together being engaged in a process of discipling people in my country. Would that be cool? So I want you to be praying about it. I want you to be thinking, how can we actually engage in that process? And I believe what God is going to do and help us to accomplish is through getting into the lives of people. And I want to encourage you to come to my table because I want to be able to talk to you about some of the things that God is doing. We're involved. If somebody were to ask us, what are you one thing that you're involved in, is building leaders to transform a nation. Can you say that with me? Building. One more time. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to pour our lives into the life of other people. And we're doing it at multiple levels and different forms and strategies. We have non-formal, informal, cross-cultural, next-generational. You name it, and we're training people in some way or the other. But the most recent thing that God has put into our heart is to work in the life of kids. You will not believe this. But 35% of of the population in my country is under the age of 15. So 1.3 billion people of 35% is bigger than the entire United States. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And God is saying to me, Bobby... If you don't pour into the lives of these kids, maybe you'll lose an entire generation that will never know about Jesus Christ. And so we started a program. And I will have some cards up there, and I talked to Pastor, and he said, it'd be okay for you guys to drop by. And if you'd like to you know, get involved in the life of one of the children, come on up there, and we'll talk about it and see how you can get engaged. But God is at work, and He's looking at how the church can do things differently and he's calling us to be engaged in a process so that we will effectively carry out his mission. Now, your church is going through the study of the book of Colossians. And last week, Pastor actually began to talk about these verses in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Do you have your Bibles? You can turn to it. And what I want you to look at is to notice it says, Therefore... Now, he's talking to a group of people over there, right? And he's saying, Therefore... And whenever you read that word, therefore, you always hear pastors saying, you've got to remember what is before the therefore, right? Because it's directly relating to that very passage that is about it. But what he's saying is, therefore, as God's chosen people. Now, are you cho- God's chosen people? Yes. Only two or three of you are saying that. <laughs> so, should I start my sermon in a different direction? <laughs> are you God's chosen people? One more time, are you God's chosen people? Yes. Yes. He's saying, I want to share with you something about those people who would call themselves the chosen of God, okay? He says, I want you to know that you are, look at the words that he uses over there, holy, you are dearly loved, and you clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, this is what Pastor talked about last week. He said, you know, if you are children of God, and if you are holy, and if you are people who are part of the people of God, then he's saying, you know what you ought to be doing? He said, you've got to put on some clothes. And those clothes are new clothes. They're not the clothes that you used to wear. You've got to put on some new clothes. And he says, I want you to put these on. And he says, I want you to clothe yourself with compassion, you know compassion for children? You know, come up there and show some compassion, all right? Okay, no, you didn't like that one. All right, but you can show compassion, and then you can actually show kindness, and then you can actually show humility, and you can actually show hum, uh, gentleness, and you can show parents uh, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving whatever grievance you have against each other for, my Bible, my eyes are getting bad, and over all these virtues, now listen to this, over all these virtues, he says, can you read that, that phrase? He says, over all these virtues, do what? Put on love. Now, I want you to understand that he is bringing a point to the text, okay? He's saying, you're a chosen people, you're unique, you're different from the rest of the world, you're people that are under the authority of God. Your people that are going to demonstrate something that has never been demonstrated before. And I want you to do it because you Colossian church, I want you to understand that you cannot live the way you used to live. And I want you to change because I want you to put on some new clothes. And one of the clothes that I want you to put on is love. And he says, I want you to have this perfect love That'll do something. It'll demonstrate and produce perfect unity, perfect harmony. Just imagine that we're little ch- home churches. We're everywhere. We're little dis- disciple groups. People are looking at us, and we're growing in the midst of community. And we call ourselves—we call ourselves Christians, right? Okay, are followers of Jesus Christ as many parts of the world are shifting to because Christians are considered a religion. Christianity has become a religion. And we're not about a religion. We're about a... Say that together. We're all about a... Relationship. And once we understand that this is what God is actually doing, we begin to recognize what God wants to do in our generation is completely different from what happened in the previous generations that have gone before us. And church, if we begin to put our arms together and we begin to understand this is what God is calling for, then we have to ask the question, how can I demonstrate this perfect love? How can I become the glory of the knowledge of God or the knowledge of the glory of God so that there's perfect love that needs to be manifested in my home, that needs to be manifested in my office, that needs to be manifested in my community, that needs to be everywhere so that when people look at it, they'll say, man, that dude is different. He's not like the rest of us. How do I ever get to that place in my life? How do I ever get to the place where God becomes so significantly relevant in my life that he's revealed through everything that I do? because I have made a choice, and the choice is that I'm going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's writing to the church, and I think that there are three very significant things that have to happen from the text that will help us actually demonstrate that perfect love that will produce perfect unity. Because if you have that perfect love, that perfect love will produce perfect unity. Point number one. Very simply, okay, guys? Look at it very simply, and I want you to be. We've been using that word intentionality. And I think Paul is saying, if this perfect love that is going to produce perfect harmony, there has to be an intentional shift from our focus upon earthly things to heavenly things. For our focus upon heavenly things from earthly things Look at verse 1, if you will, okay? Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, which Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Now, listen carefully. What is Paul saying? He's saying, you guys have begun and made a choice to follow Jesus Christ. Everybody that makes the choice to follow Jesus Christ is making a choice to bring about a shift in the way I live and begin to appropriate a new way and a new way of living. Because we came to a point in our life where we said, I don't like the way I'm living. It's empty. It's hopeless. It's burning me up. And I want to live a new life. And so I come into this relationship, and when I come into this relationship, I come to realize that I am no longer going to live the way I used to. Now, listen to me carefully, okay? Because here's what God is saying. God is really saying, the day that you make that choice to become a follower of me, you have discovered something very important. You no longer want to be earthly. Are you clear about that, guys? When I make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I've made that decision that this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, and God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'm going to make that choice in my life. And until we do that, you know what happens? We're living under the kingdom of this earth instead of the kingdom of God. And what Paul is saying, if this perfect love is going to emerge through the life of the believer, you have to become intentional to say, God, I'm not going to live by the kingdoms of this earth. I'm coming to a place in my life where this world is not going to tell me how to live. My friends are not going to tell me how to live. My, can I say this to you guys? My husband is not going to tell me how to live. My wife is not going to tell me how to live. My parents are not going to tell me how to live. I'm going to come to a point in my life where I want to realize that the kingdom of this earth is the kingdom of the devil. And I'm going to let God become my king. And you know what? One day, Jesus was walking through Caesarea Philippi, and while he was walking through Caesarea Philippi, he stopped on the way, and he said, guys, I want you to ask you a question. And he actually asked them two questions. He said, what do people say about me? And they had all kinds of answers about what people said about Jesus Christ. Then he turned around and he said, but what do you say about me? No one was amazing. All those people who had opinions about who Jesus was kind of got silent, and only one straggling voice comes up and says, Thou art the Christ, the king. The, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Isn't that amazing? And I think the churches are full of people like that. They'll give you all kinds of opinions about who Jesus is and what people think about him. And I think America is full of people like that. And I think our world is full of people who have opinions. But when it comes down to the reality to say, who do you think that I am? They don't have an answer because you know why? Why? if they do come to a conclusion that he is the son of the living God, they would have to put their life under his authority. And what Paul is saying is, you're no longer living on the basis of this earth. When Satan deceived Adam and Eve, they moved God's authority out of their lives, and they chose to be under the authority of Satan, the prince of this earth. And from then on, every generation has been under that authority till God broke in and said, "No, I'm going to give redemption to mankind." And now through Jesus Christ, you can know you don't have to be under the authority of the evil one. You can move out of that authority and you can live your life under the authority of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the things of heaven, seek the things. Of above, where Christ is, who is interceding on your behalf, and He is sitting at the right hand of the God, and they together are putting together what God's plan is for this earth. And God has a plan for each of our life, and He wants to live His life through us. The only question is, who rules over your life? And what Paul is saying here is, if you want that perfect love to permeate through you, then what you need to do is to allow God to literally reign in your life and rule through your life so that you are very intentional to say, God, it's no longer I that live it. It's not my father. It's not my mother. It's not my pastor. It's not Bobby Gupta. It's not the priest. It's not anybody. It's you because you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want you to reign over my life. Amen? Amen. There is a second reality over there, okay? Look down through those verses, and it's very interesting what he says. If you look at it, he keeps on saying, you know, I want you to put on something, I want you to take off some things, and I want you to come to grips with certain things. And I think what God is saying next is that if you really want to be clothed with a perfect love then you must have a clarity between the kinds of love that God has and this world has. And there's certainly a difference between the two. There certainly is a difference between the two, okay? And if you look at the text, it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's in verse 5. And look what he describes as the earthly nature, okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desire, greed, which are all idolatry, he says. Wow, isn't that amazing? We have turned all of these things that are passionately that which God put into our hearts, driven by the evil force that exists inside of our world, and we've turned it into such an imagination that our imagination has denied the righteousness of God, has blackened our eyes, darkened our heart that we don't see the righteousness of God, and we've exchanged the righteousness of God for the unrighteousness of man. Isn't that amazing? And what God is saying to us is, you know what, if you want that perfect love, that love that comes from God, that love that is absolutely, you know, forgiving, unconditional, the love that will go the second mile, the love that will actually facilitate a process, the righteousness of God will be revealed, then he's saying, you know what I want you to understand? If you want that kind of perfect love to come alive in your life, you, there must be a clarity between what is described of worldly love, lustfulness, to what is God's righteousness that is revealed in his love. You know, when Jesus was talking to Peter, and Peter had gone fishing, he threw in the towel, actually, and you know, at the end of the door, he decided, I'm going to go back fishing, and he fished all day, and he fished all day, and at the end of the time, they found out they were, couldn't catch any fish, and Jesus walks by, and he says, Peter, throw your nets on the other side, and so Peter throws his nets on the other side, and they catch a bunch of fish. And then about that time, Peter realizes, wow, this is Jesus. He turns around and he looks at God and he jumps out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. And Jesus is, you know, doing some grilling over there. He's got some nice hot fish on the thing. He had caught fish who knows how, but he doesn't need to catch them, right? He knows how to get fish. He says, fish, come on over here. And they come and lie on his grill. (laughs) Well, he's got fish over there. And Peter walks up and... Peter looks at him, and God says to him, Peter, do you really love me more than all of these things? Do you remember that discussion, the dialogue? Do you love me more than all of these things, Peter? And Peter looks at God, and he says, Lord, I love you. I love you. What what an awesome statement. And every time you read it in the Bible, it sounds like it's a really cool statement. But do you ever think why he asked him that question three times, and that the, author, the, the translators use those words in the same three ways? But actually, in the original, it actually says something quite different. It says, Peter, do you love me with an unconditional love of a God-like love? And Peter looks at him and says, I love you like a brother. Now, this is exactly what Peter, Paul is doing over here. He's saying, guys, I want you to understand there is a difference between God's love and the earthly love that exists upon the face of this earth, and what I want you to come to grips with if you want to see the perfect love of God come through you. You've got to come to a place in your life where you deal with the reality on a continuum of how you're growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and that relationship should have moved you from a state of brotherly love or worldly love into a state where you love unconditionally like God, which is holy. And until we come to a place in our life where we begin to say, Lord, I understand there's a difference, and I no longer want to let this immorality, this sexuality, and all the things that he describes over there control my life. Until we come to that place, you know what? It's very difficult to have the perfect love Radiate through us, and the glory of God will never shine. Have you ever thought of that? But what God is wanting us to understand is that if the glory of God is going to cover the earth and that the knowledge of his glory is going to be revealed among the mankind, then the whole world needs to that turns to Jesus Christ and says, I am God's follower, has to intentionally come to that place in their life that says, I'm not gonna live like this world. And my love relationship is not going to be one like this world, but it's going to be one like God's to me. Unconditional, ever forgiving, always overflowing with love. Ever, all the time, he's gentle and he's kind to me. So all of a sudden, our families are looking quite different, aren't they? Because we're not loving like the world loves, with anger and malice. But we're really loving the way God loves, with gentleness and kindness and meekness, forgiving one another, forbearing one another. And it's so important that when we think about the fact that if this perfect love is going to emerge, and if God's, and the knowledge of God's glory is going to emerge, that the children of God who calls himself followers of Jesus Christ have to come to a place in their life that says, I'm not going to be like the world, and I'm going to love like the world. There's a third thing that he says over there, very interesting in this passage. And I believe that third thing is most important because I think what happens to us is we never ever evaluate where we are on the continuum of our love relationship with God. And what Paul is beginning to say is, guys, I want you to come to a place in your life where you're beginning to put on the love of God. You've taken off certain things. You've sought certain things. Now I want you to actually, as you're seeking to fulfill the kingdom things, I want you to put on this love. But have you ever asked ourselves the question, has those garments actually started emerging in my life? Am I really wearing those garments of love that show the righteousness of God? And I think what God was doing with Peter when he said to Peter, Peter, uh, do you love me more than all of these things? And he didn't stop once. He went on the second time. And he didn't stop the second time. He went on the third time. Can you imagine what he was doing with Peter? Peter was saying, God was saying, Peter, do you love me more than all of these things? Unconditionally, willing to die for me, willing to go the second mile, willing to forgive, willing to have forgi- great gentleness, willing to have meekness, willing to be unconditional about how you love, but you love in spite of the circumstances. He looks at Peter and he says that to Peter. And Peter looks at him and you know what he says? I love you like a brother. And he asks him the second time, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And he says, I love you like a brother. Honest guy, isn't he? The dude is willing to say, God, you have an expectation of me, and I'm not able to meet that expectation. And on this continuum, I'm not able to say to you that I have reached the end where you are everything to me. But you know what God does to him? He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you really love me like a brother? Because you see, Even if I hate my brother, if somebody was going to kill him, I'd give my life to save my brother, wouldn't you? And so what God was doing to Peter and what Paul wants us to do to ourselves, is, he's saying, guys, how do you measure up on that continuum? Where on one end of the spectrum, it's unconditional love. And other end of the spectrum, it's worldly love. How have you traveled down that continuum? And where are you in that continuum? And can you be honest with yourself and say, God, you know everything? Because that's what finally Peter had to say. Peter had to look at God in the face and say, God, you're right. I haven't even reached phileo love. Forget agape love. You know everything. And I want to suggest this morning that God knows everything. But if the glory of God is going to shine, if the glory of God is going to cover, and the knowledge of His righteousness is going to be revealed, there has to come to a point in our life where we as children of God say, God, I have come to the understanding. If your righteousness is going to be revealed through my life, and if your love is going to be revealed through my life, And if your holiness is going to be revealed through my life, then I have to come to a place where you're the king. I'm the subject. And this morning, I'm willing to let you to become the king of my life. Right now, I am the king, Lord. And I want to say that if God wants to take you and he wants to move you along and he wants to get you to where you can become the perfect revelation of his love so that a perfect bond of unity emerges wherever you are. You've got to come to that place in your life. You say, God, you're the authority of my life. You've got to say to the world, no more you, world. It's all about God, and I'm going to do it His way. And then you're going to keep on measuring yourself and saying, God, I want to get there, Lord. I want to get there, Lord. I haven't gotten there, Lord. It's really tough, Lord. And God's going to say, you know what? As long as you're sensitive to that, I'm with you. And you know what he told Peter? Peter, you have not made it. You're working on it. And I still love you. And you know what? I'm not done with you, so feed my sheep. Can you imagine that? God's not through with you guys. And you may feel like I never make it. But God's not through with you. And he wants to get you there. But the secret to getting there is to allow him to become the king of your life. And to become conscious about the fact that the world drives us and you're going to put an end to it. You're going to be like Paul says, it's no longer I that liveth, but that it's Christ that liveth in me. And you're finally going to say, Lord, every day, one day at a time, one step at a time, I'm going to try so that I finally reach that goal you your perfect love is flowing through me. Amen? Amen. Are you sure? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Sign up for the discipleship class and God will help you get there. Pastor R.
0: I love Bobby. He loves Jesus and he loves the church and the kingdom. I was just thinking about as he was speaking <clears throat> about putting on these garments, putting on the garment of patience. Anybody this week had to put on the garment of patience? Anybody had to put it back on after? Yeah. So I was filling out my FAFSA form on Friday. <laughs> so uh, I had my patience shirt on. Really? I, you know, I was in a good mood. I was sitting down with my FAFSA, and I got kicked off the website five times. And then what else happened? Oh, I was ready to submit my FAFSA, and it said resubmit. It won't accept your PIN number. I had to reapply for a PIN number at the end of that. It was a two-hour process. I was so annoyed and so irritated, I think I wanted to throw my computer. And so I said, Lord, please, I need my patient shirt. I need to put my patient shirt on. And then forbearance, putting on forbearance. You know, forbearance is putting up with the flaws or faults of another. Anybody here having to put up with the flaws or the faults of somebody else? Putting on forbearance. And then there is what Bobby talked about, putting on the love of God, being a manifestation of his love in this world. Anybody need a love to be put on? Man, this is the heart of Christianity. This is about intentionality, right? Really living out our faith. Not just talking about it or hearing about it, but doing the word, right? Not a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. So I really want you this week to practice intentional love, to be a manifestation of love. Love may not always come to you, but love can always flow out of you. God, I want my life to be a manifestation of your love. I want to know the height and the depth, the breadth, the width of the love of God. I want that love so internalized inside of me that it begins to uh, flow out of me. I want my feet to get wet. I want other people's feet to get wet because so much love is flowing through me. You see, the test for Peter would always be do you love me? Which means will you forbear with others? Will you forgive them when they um, offend you? Will you truly love them without conditions? See, this is the heart of our faith. Hey, Bobby's going to be up top at the cafe. He's got some books. Um, there's some kids that need to be sponsored. They're trying to pick up about 2,500 impoverished children in Chennai. There's a, in, in his city, which is about the size of Washington, D.C., about 10 by 10 miles, there's 12 million people living. So there's tons of impoverished children living at the margins, and they're trying to do after-school and school programs. So you can talk to Bobby about that, but let me pray. Father, here we are gathered in Jesus' name. We've heard your word, Lord. You've sent your servant, Bobby, anointed by your spirit. He's spoken into our hearts about the amazing, unconditional love of God. We look at the cross, and we see love poured out for us there. We see our Savior laying down His life to show us the fullness of love. You sent Your Spirit into our hearts. Now, Holy Spirit, we pray that You would manifest through us the love of God, that in the trying, difficult situations we find ourselves in, we might put on this amazing garment called love and love people without conditions. I need to put on the shirt of patience, and I need to put on the shirt of forbearance and forgiveness, but Lord, I really need the shirt of love. Would you enable me to put that on, not only this day, but tomorrow and all through this week? Would you enable me to be intentional about my faith, about putting a high priority upon the corporate gathering, this gathering together, to be together, to be encouraged, upon community, to be with other like-minded people to encourage each other in faith and to be intentional about just hearing your voice being quiet and still in the early morning hours late night through the day lord to hear your voice to be intentional about reading the word and praying god would you produce the quality of christ in our lives the characteristics of jesus christ may they be also our character and next week we look forward to hearing about forgiveness So God, speak to us again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.